Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. My name is DJ Short, and with me here once again is Eric Samolski. The World Series is behind us. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers on their first ever World Series championship. And just like that, the MLB offseason is underway. Free agents can actually sign with teams right now already. So Today's show is an off-season preview episode. We'll discuss the top three agents, storylines, and teams to watch uh, this winter. Eric, how's it going? I, I know so far we haven't seen a lot of player movement, but managers has yes. been the hot topic so far this week. Yeah, and also we saw player movement long before I thought we could. Um, I didn't even know, and I've been following and writing about baseball forever. Like the the day after the World Series, it was like. We had a trade with yeah, Mark Canna going to the Tigers, and I, I was like, I didn't know we could do this. Um, right. And, you know, I, so that's been fun. Yeah, the manager stuff is is really interesting. Um, you know, obviously, I'm I'm biased. Uh, you know, I played baseball with, with Stephen Vogt growing up, um, so I'm super happy for him. He deserves okay. it. He's going to be great in Cleveland. Um, the Craig Council stuff was wild. Um, yeah. The Cubs, I guess, sneakily interviewing him while they had a manager – employed they've done um, that before and it does kind of make me wonder like i, I don't want to say anything disparaging about craig council as a manager because i think he's obviously a good manager but is he good enough that you would make that type of move when you have a manager under contract and then also pay him eight million dollars like yeah. that's that's an aggressive move and a lot of money and I see a lot of people reacting to it like they just like signed a premier free agent. Um, and I say this as a baseball fan, like I just wonder if the manager really has that level of impact at this level of baseball. Right. I, I think, you know, council was linked to the Mets. They obviously have the fun. So if they wanted to outbid the Cubs, they could have done that. I yeah. think some of this is geography based uh, too with council. He wanted to be near his kids so he can kind of stay in that in that area mm -hmm. uh, there. But the Cubs were willing to pay this number. I think the Mets had a different kind of mindset there where, like you said, I, you know, as far as the manager and kind of the responsibilities in today's game, it's not quite as much as it used to be. And Council, you know, being a former player, I think it was and this was mentioned in some news stories leading up to his decision that. The money was important to him because when you look at the salaries of Major League Baseball managers, they're, they're like really low and they haven't increased, uh, yeah. at least relative to some of the other sports. It's hard to, you know, make an apples to apples comparison because baseball managers, like we said, quite a bit different uh, than some of these other sports. But I think it was important to him to kind of raise the bar for future managers it was interesting, you know, David Ross was a World Series hero for the Cubs to mm -hmm. so to kind of cast him aside, like not not cool, I I think, but sure. and we've already we've already heard David Ross linked to the Padres, so you know, maybe he won't be out of a, a job for very long, hopefully. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to say that like we know that the Cubs are they're trying to win baseball games and you know, being cool and nice is is obviously something you you want to do, but 
the ultimate goal is to win baseball games. And if they felt council helped them win more baseball games, then then so be it. And I also yeah. don't begrudge council wanting to remain close to his kids. Like, I think that that's yeah. a totally valid reason to pick a job. My question is more just on the impact of a manager in today's game um, and whether that kind of swing will really have an, an impact in the standings that's proportionate to the response that we've seen of like, you know, the Cubs are right now winning the off season. Um, right. So we'll see how that goes. I know, you know, there's still managerial roles to fill in Houston. There's still um, managerial roles to fill with, you know, mentioned San Diego. Um, you know, the, the angels are interviewing Ron Washington. I saw um, was yeah. reported. So Buck Walter. Yeah. Buck Walter. So there's um, still some, some pieces to, to fall. Um, I listen, I, I would love to see new faces um you know sometimes the it just becomes like a you know mat, musical chairs yeah brad osmus is on another you know he gets <laughs> another job and you know we kind of you've been there done that um so so we'll see what happens i mean i i think after you know the recent world series you know you see bruce bochi win again mm-hmm. uh you you, uh, you see dusty baker win and now there's kind of the narrative like, well, you got to have the old school guy in there, you know, just because they won the past two years. I don't think that has to be the case. But, you know, what we've heard from New York Sports Talk Radio after the Mets hired Carlos Mendoza to be their manager, bench coach of the Yankees. Yes, he's managing the minors. He's been a coach in the majors for a long time. Mets fans a little bit underwhelmed. I don't care personally. Like as long as David Stearns has a good relationship with Mendoza and like he has a good relationship with the players. Like I don't care. Just like win baseball games. They haven't been able to win since 1986 with any level of experience and no experience yeah. and good with the media, not good with the media. Whatever, it hasn't worked. So yeah, sure. Let's just kind of see what happens here. Yeah, and I think like the idea that oh, like oh, he's really good with like the lineups, right? Like he plays the matchups really well. It's like okay, that that could be a tick in you know the box of a particular manager, but it also tells me that the lineup isn't strong enough one through nine that he knows who he's yeah. playing, right? That was like yeah. a thing with Bruce Bochy in Texas. Like he wasn't really changing the lineup. He didn't have to play matchups and try to execute yeah. like this. He, he had a, a roster. He filled the lineup. Um, you know, I think that's, you, you heard some of those comments from Buck Showalter after the, you know, the, he was released right. after the Mets relationship was done of like, there was maybe some meddling in that, in that lineup. And that was because the roster that was on the field for the second half of the year in particular, but really from the start, which is why it didn't work out so well from the Mets had a lot of holes in the lineup that required finagling pieces into them. And that opened the door for disparate opinions of who should be on the, on the field. And, you know, I think that kind of those issues can be solved when you do what the Rangers do and spend a lot of money to fill your lineup and, and get good players in there. Yeah, uh, spend a lot of money. That, that's a good segue into into our offseason preview here. Before we get into that, though, all eyes will be on Las Vegas Sunday night. You don't want to miss a matchup between stars Sauce Gardner and Devontae Adams as the Jets travel to the, de- to the desert to face the Raiders. Coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. Maybe... You aren't excited about that matchup. I don't know. I was, was going to say, will all will all eyes be on that? Matchup? I will be watching because I can guarantee you, I'm gonna I'm gonna have like a parlay on that game. Sure, and I will be. I'm, eyes will be glued to it. So it's football. I, it's on TV. You'll be watching. Yeah, I've got the I've got the Raiders as my sleeper defense in our um, our videos of the week. So you know, I got to see go. if my my call works out. Going up against uh, Zach Wilson, uh, you know, pretty easy call. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So <laughs> let's start out here. Uh, just looking at the top free agents list, we saw who got qualifying offers from uh, from their their teams this week, and I, I believe it is seven total uh, that received qualifying offers. And uh, just so you know, the qualifying offer this offseason is valued at twenty point three two five million. Uh, this offseason, players have until next Tuesday, November twelfth, to decide whether to accept. So this list is. Names we would expect Shohei Otani, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Sonny Gray, Josh Hader, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell. In the past, we've seen players accept qualifying offers. Jock Peterson was, you know, a recent example. But I don't think any of these guys are going to accept that qualifying offer. Pretty, pretty clear, like they they have a wonderful market. I don't think any kind of draft, uh, you know, loss of draft pick, whatever, is going to really hold them back from. Uh, receiving a um, a good contract here. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez didn't get one. Uh, J.D. Martinez didn't get one. Reese Hoskins, et cetera. Maybe they were kind of fringy considerations. Um, but these are all top of the market names, so not a, a huge shock there. I, I think as far as the free agent market in general, this is a very pitcher-heavy class this year. I, I think more so than the position players. I, I think in terms of Position players, that's going to be the trade market. I think we might see a lot more move with position players on the trade market because if you look at the way that that uh, MLB front offices view their position players, they, they're locking those players up early. So we're seeing mm -hmm. fewer and fewer of those players hit free agency. It's a little different with pitchers, and I think that's reflected in uh, Matthew Poliot said a top, 11, top 111 free agent list you can – Read it on NBCSports.com in the fantasy baseball section. Uh, does a great job with that. But you can look at his uh, just the 11 out of the top 13 players on Matthew's list are, are pitchers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the only pitcher that I could see, or you know, notable pitcher that I could see being traded in the offseason is is Corbin Burns, and it's just mm -hmm. you know checking in on that. Um, what are the Brewers planning to do without Brandon Woodruff this year? Are they going to make a run? Are they not? Um, other than that, yeah, you're right. You see pitchers more moved at the at the deadline because you know teams know what they can get for you know two months of an ace or or whatever, um, or the Dodgers trade for you know two months of Lance Lynn and then don't offer him a qualifying offer, and then uh, he's a free agent who's pretty low down on Matthew's yeah. list. Yeah, exactly. So when you're looking at position players, you know it's Cody Bellinger. Uh, he's number four on Matthew's list. Uh, you know, looking at some of the other free agent rankings out there, this that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Coming off a really solid bounce back year for him, you know, won the NL MVP in 2019, really bounced back nicely this year. Uh, Matthew's prediction for him is six years, 168 million. Uh, I've seen predictions actually be quite a bit higher than that with some other publications. To me, he's the most like, polarizing free agent out there because when I look at his numbers this year, yes, in terms of like the plate discipline, it was really impressive the way he turned things around, but the quality of contact is like not quite backing up what he did yeah. this year. And I wonder, depending on where he signs, like if he signed with the Yankees and the short porch and all that, like maybe that will work, but still this, it feels like maybe it's a trap. To me. We talk. I mean, when we when we had Paul Spore on our show a couple months ago, and we kind of looked at some of uh, we talked about you know Bellinger. We talked about hits and misses of the year, and I said that to me Bellinger to the Yankees makes the most sense in the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'll do it. They can do six years, one hundred sixty-eight million or more, uh, whether they want to or not. Um, yeah. I you know we obviously they read today they want to get more into bunting, so maybe that's not <laughs> uh, that's not a huge. <laughs> reason to go after Cody Bellinger but oh, um but yeah Matthew's points are good I mean I, but I think like if he's gonna do what he did even with 
you know, career worst barrel rates and hard hit rates, then if you still are an organization who sees something in the swing and thinks you can, you know, tweak some things and get him back to the levels we've seen, we know that he can produce without his best stuff. Um, yep. And he's only 28. So, you know, three or four more years probably of, of you know, strong, solid athleticism from him and, you know, good speed numbers and good defense and all of that before you even have to start entertaining, like mixing him in regularly at, at DH. Um, and again, if, you know, if he's going to hit 307 and hit home runs, then you don't care if he's your DH. So, um, right. yeah, I could see, I could see a big offer, but it does come with risk. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and, you know, speaking of risk here, uh, Matt Chapman is number six on Matthew's list. Yeah. A very weird season for Matt Chapman this year. We know he's an excellent defender, so that that keeps his value on the board there. Just what he could do at the hot corner, I think, will be attractive for that reason. But a weird kind of top-heavy year where most of his production was in the first you know, six weeks or so of the season. And that was really pretty bad. Uh, he had basically had two good months uh, this season at the plate. The defense, like I said, props up his value. Um, and but in a weak class for position position players, I still think he's going to do pretty well. For me, I I, I feel like the the Giants or the Phillies make a lot of sense for uh, mm. Chapman, but I you know I still think he'll do well. I, is there anybody on this list that you you don't think is a risk? Mm. I mean, I, I like I mean I mean that in all in all seriousness, like. Even Shohei Otani, who we know is a very good player and is obviously a slam dunk in terms of him being talented, if you're shelling out the type of money that people are talking about shelling out, he better pitch again at yeah. some point during that contract. Um, you yeah. know, and obviously he's a hitter for just next year, so he you know toes that line of is he a hitter or not. Um, mm -hmm. He's not obviously getting paid like it, but you know we'll get to the other pitchers later who you know a lot of whom I think are risky. But you mentioned the two hitters, and then you get into like Lourdes Gurriel, Reese yeah. Hoskins, who yeah. you know is 16th on Matthew's list, and maybe you'd argue would be higher, but you know he tore his ACL and is 31 years old. And no, his his value wasn't predicated on the athleticism that an ACL would ruin it, but right. you know he's a 31 year old coming off a major injury. Um, right. You have you know. Teoscar Hernandez, you have JD Martinez. These are all guys who are probably on the downside of their career trajectory. And what right. type of deals are they going to get and for how long? And what are you requiring of them? Right. And then Jorge Soler, who's already 32 and is probably a DH. So, like, it just doesn't go very deep in terms of position players. This And Justin Turner fits into that same boat as someone who should really just be a DH at this point in his career, could still right. be productive, but. Uh, I don't think quite as appealing. Uh, some teams want to have a little bit of versatility for their DH spots. So, uh, I, you know, it'll be really interesting to see, uh, you know, how the trade market impacts uh, position players. I think we're going to see a lot more as far as trades. So let's get into the top storylines of this offseason. I, I have a few of them here. And number one, obviously, is Shohei Otani's free agency. Does he get the biggest deal in MLB? history of course mike trout uh has the highest uh outlay of money uh 426.5 million uh, with his extension uh with the angels uh 2019 through 2030 i mean i think even knowing that otani will not pitch next season he's gonna top 500 million you'd have to think he doesn't turn 30 until next year i i think there's a very good chance he gets over 500 million is it yes. if well let's say he could pitch next year like if you know if we're in that world where the, the you know the ucl injury didn't happen like is he 600 million dollar pitch player i mean probably right yeah for sure i mean think of like is he getting is he getting aaron judge's contract if all he does is hits like but but i don't know that he would be that far beneath him you know what i mean because he's still gonna he still can play the outfield um i mean not next year but we're just talking about his skill set overall mm -hmm. can play the outfield is an elite hitter at 29 years old we know that he probably has seven eight nine good years because he can slide into a dh role 
Like mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of guys who got big money, you know, judge Bryce Harper who are equal or close to equal hitters to Shohei Otani as a pure hitter. So then you add the, the pitching into it. And like, you know, we mentioned the risk of how many years does he have as a pitcher, but even if he gives you four years as a starter in a 10 year contract, maybe, you know, you, maybe he deals with arm injuries and he winds up moving to the bullpen, you know, like John Smoltz at the end of his career or something like that. Like, I still think that's worth that kind of money because that's just an icing on the cake of getting one of the best hitters in baseball on top of that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've never seen, and we've never seen anybody like Shohei Otani really. So uh, uh, he is the unicorn. Uh, We call him that for, for a reason. Uh, So kind of when we look at the, who are the real legitimate contenders uh, to sign Shohei Otani. I feel like everyone is like Dodgers and then there's like a gap and then there's kind of everyone else, maybe Giants, Mets, Red Sox, Yankees. Do the Angels have a shot? Probably not. But yeah, they're still maybe in the mix there because of the relationship. But is it Dodgers and and then the field to you? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, obviously living in New York, you hear a lot about all the connections that the Mets had with him. Um, which maybe some of them don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but if it's a pure money thing, you know the Mets will match anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's a pure money thing with him. And that's why I think the Dodgers get the edge. Um, I think this idea that the Dodgers are going to sign both him and Yamamoto, which people oh. are promoting to me, seems ridiculous. And I don't buy it for a second. And maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I just can't see it. Um, yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I think the Dodgers and everybody else, I don't really see the Giants. Like, I know they made that swing for Judge, um, but I feel like they've never really been in on the, like, totally break the bank type of free agents. Um, the Red Sox probably need this because they've been, their fan base is totally over them, not spending money over the last few years, and they've gotten this reputation of, like, getting cheap again. And what's mm-hmm. the what's the quickest way to dispel that idea is to shell out a record breaking contract to Shohei Otani. Um, so I, I think they, they still remain on the periphery. And just another thing I wanted to bring up when we talked about the amount of money he's going to get is like, it's callous to think about the player as a marketable entity on your team, yeah. but it's, it's the truth. Um, and Shohei Otani is worth what he's worth on the field. And he's worth so much more to an organization off the field based on the marketing ability, the crossover, the, you know, in the foreign markets and things like that. And so you're going to see that, that number be so high in his contract because of all of those reasons that he gives, he gives you. And yeah, I I guess if you were, if I was up against it, I would say he winds up at the Dodgers. Yeah. I think Shohei Otani is, is one of the few um, athletes in sports that when he's pitching, when he's hitting, you stop what you're doing and you watch him. Um, he is that gate attraction. Um, he can help kind of sell a franchise to a fan base mm-hmm. and, you know, be valuable in terms of advertising. And I, I think that stuff matters a lot uh, with him. And there's a worldwide appeal too, obviously, yeah. to, to what he's doing back home in, in Japan. So, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I would say the Dodgers are the favorites as well, and um, we'll see how it how it plays out and how long this process takes. But yeah, I think he's going to get the the richest deal in Major League history. It's just a matter of uh, of when it will happen. Um, sure. But speaking of another Japanese sensation, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto uh, coming over from Japan, he's officially posted. Um, by the Oryx Buffaloes. This process, though, takes it could take 45 days for it to actually be resolved. Now, what makes him so interesting is he's 25 years old, and he's done just about everything you could do in Japan. He's he's probably the best pitcher to come over from Japan in 
I don't even know. Is it Tanaka? Like, you know, maybe he's better. He's probably better than Tanaka. His stats um, are his stats are very similar to Tanaka's when Tanaka was in the N, in the MPP, but I think the raw stuff for Yamamoto pops in a way that Tanaka was that like that splitter forkball, whatever he wound up referring right. to it, which was elite, but didn't necessarily have the depth of the arsenal that Yamamoto does. The thing with Yamamoto, and it was something I, I hadn't really realized from like watching the tape. So Yamamoto is five foot ten, maybe to be generous. I've heard some say he could be five foot eight. I don't I don't know. Five foot ten, 176 pounds. That's pretty small for a pitcher stateside. Like I'm I'm trying to think of like a comp who is like thrown a lot. He's thrown a lot of innings in Japan. So it's not like a problem. Like he's managed that workload. In the United States, it's a little bit different in Major League Baseball where he won't be pitching once a week. He could be pitching twice a week, every five days mm-hmm. uh, in Major League Baseball. So I, maybe there'll be a little bit of question about that. But again, given his age, he's just 25 years old. You don't see 25-year-old free agents in Major League Baseball. He's probably going to get something close to a $200 million contract, plus the posting fee that what, whatever Major League team signs him will have to pay his uh his old team in in Japan, he's going to get a massive contract. Yes, huge, and is worth it, right? I mean, this is a risk because he hasn't pitched stateside, but it's not a risk in the sense of like you're trading for a prospect who hasn't pitched above double A or whatever. Like, you know, Japan won the World Baseball Classic. People who follow Japanese baseball understand that the quality of that league may not be at MLB level on the whole, but it is still a very good professional baseball league um, to do what he's done. And also, like, it's a little different hitters and pitchers, right? Like, with a hitter, you're scouting from an international league. Can he handle velocity? Can he handle this type of, you know, whatever? With a pitcher, you can look at the raw stuff and you can say, okay, the slider moves the way the slider moves. The fastball velocity is the fastball velocity. Like, if, if I believe that that stuff is good enough to miss bats at the major league level, then that's, that's the quality of that raw stuff. Um, right. And if, if we're going to talk about like where he, he goes, um, uh, my prediction is the Red Sox. Um, he and Masataka Yoshida were teammates for six years in Japan. They're apparently very close. They talk all the time. Yoshida has openly mentioned that like, he obviously would want him in, in Boston and, you know, he's not going to like, it's like, you know, th- that kind of like respect thing that happens in a lot of other cultures where he's just like, I'm just happy he's coming over. I'm not going to like ruin our friendship for this, but I do mm-hmm. want him to come here. And again, I think like we talked about Boston needs to make that big splash. And I don't think realistically it's Otani, but I do think it's Yamamoto because I think it works with the timeline of what they want, which is, you know, they've got these guys like, Casas and Sedane Rafaela and, you know, Marcelo Mayer and all these other guys coming up where a 25 year old starter fits that timeline yep. to, to shell out big bucks on. Um, so that's my prediction. Yeah. And I, I think what's interesting about Yamamoto as well is that while some of these other top free agent starting pitchers like Snell, Nola, Sonny Gray, you know, they got these qualifying offers. They're tied to that qualifying offer where, where a team will have to give up some sort of uh, draft pick um, in order to sign them with Yamamoto. It's just money. And right. I, I wouldn't discount that with some of these, you know, big market teams who look at that and say, Hey, we don't have to sacrifice anything but cash. And when I think about that, I can't help but think about Steve Cohen and the Mets. I think they're sure. going to be, they're going to be, I, I, I think they're more likely to sign Yamamoto than they are Otani, uh, based off of of that factor uh the mets i i do think they the way steve cohen has kind of discussed this is that he made this outlay at the beginning in terms of signing free agents while wanting to strengthen the minor league system so i don't think they're necessarily unless they're blown away by someone and otani you know falls into their lap essentially that's a player you're willing to give up a draft pick for fine but in general, I think they want to keep that that minor league system strong so they don't have to rely on free agency moving forward. So I, I look at the Mets, you look at the Yankees, Dodgers, Giants, 
Cubs, maybe, et cetera. Uh, I'll figure to be involved here, but that I, he's going to be, I mean, get familiar with him. We're going to hear yeah. a ton about him. And you're going to, and you're going to hear every name connected, every team name connected to him. Uh, well, not As every, because, be. you know, he's not going to I mean, the Royals, but, you right. know, I, but most good teams with money are going to at least be rumored to be interested. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So my next storyline here is, and we're kind of talking about the trade market uh, a little bit earlier, which teams move to sell mode this offseason? Now, there are some teams here where you, you look at kind of how they performed this season, maybe there's a manager that left. We talked about the Brewers and Corbin Burns. Uh, the Padres fit into that after disappointing. Uh, we've, there's already been rumors about the Padres. I mean, they had to uh, take out a loan to pay their own players. So, yeah, I think they exactly. need to get rid of some contracts. I think they're going to be active. <laughs> the Cardinals, do they switch directions here? So Juan Soto, I think, kind of number one here, a year out from free agency. If the Padres truly shop him, and I think they absolutely should shop him this offseason and be smart for them to do it, what team can step up to the plate uh, with a with an offer that makes sense for a player who, like I just said, like the, you know, he might only be spending one year with this team? Yeah. I mean, what teams make sense and what teams are gonna be willing to to part with the prospects that it would take? Right, like you're not going to get him for nothing, um, so you're going to have to take the risk that you trade for him and give up good prospects and can re-sign him. I think yeah. obviously the Yankees and Mets are right up there because yeah. they're teams that you they you have to feel like they feel good about their chance to then sign him to a deal. Yeah. Um, the Yankees probably have more prospects to deal. But the Mets have some some higher, highly thought of lower level prospects that I, I could see being um, involved in that. The Red Sox are another one. They you know revamped their farm system um, with Haim Bloom. Thank you, Haim. Now find a new job. Um, and so they have they have the assets to to make that move. Um, I know people want to say the the Cubs. It's like sure, I guess. Um, and then I would never I would never count out the Dodgers and Giants in these types of moves because they have good farm systems and they're willing to take chances on, on these guys. Um, and I think both of them probably would feel good about the ability to resign him. Um, I, I did read something that like, you know, the Padres are hoping to trade like, you know, Xander Bogarts and all these other players to keep uh, Juan Soto. And I think it's really important to keep in mind how narratives change one year yeah after the the next and like the Red Sox were spit roasted for letting Xander Bogarts leave and go to yeah. San Diego. And he signed such a large contract that the Padres now need to get rid of other people and want to trade him, but likely won't be able to trade him because his contract is too much of a uh, hassle. You know, I, I think when Xander left, I, I could kind of understand because he's like the homegrown kind of guy, like why Red Sox fans wanted to keep him, right? But yes. when he signed that deal with the Padres, I think it wasn't like a Monday morning quarterback thing. I, I feel like a lot of people across baseball were like, really? Like, you really did that? The Padres yeah. were just so, like, they just wanted to spend money last offseason for something. They were like, 
we're we're leaving here with someone and that's what they mm -hmm. did and 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 then that's a good lesson as we get into these free agents of like the rangers also spent a lot of money but it was to fill glaring and obvious holes that they had that you know and even if it didn't work out like the degrom and you know scherzer wasn't a signing but you know those didn't work out but they filled Seeger filled a clear hole when they signed mm -hmm. Simeon. They filled a clear hole in their roster. Like Tegram was mm -hmm. a clear hole in their in their roster. Xander Bogarts was not a clear hole in their no. roster. They didn't have to move Tatis to the outfield. If they right. did, Hassan Kim proved that he is a very a very viable starting shortstop. They didn't right. need Xander Bogarts. They're now talking about maybe moving him to first base because they have good prospects coming up. So it's it's yeah. not just about. Is, is the team going to make a big splash? But is the team going to make a big splash on a player who legitimately helps them? Um, right. And yeah, I mean, I think the Red Sox thing was also like signing Trevor Story seemed like it was pushing right. Bogarts out. And, and right. you know, I get the that people were not huge fans of that. Um, right. But yeah. Paul Goldschmidt uh, with the Cardinals. There's already been some rumors about whether the Cardinals will will move him. And I, I think we're so used to the Cardinals being relevant and mm -hmm. good every year that, I, you know, we're just not willing to accept the idea of the Cardinals rebuilding or selling off, you know, veterans. But, I mean, I think it would be a smart move with Goldschmidt, who's, you know, going into his mid-30s at this point. I think we've seen, you know, he's only a year removed from being an MVP. So I don't want sure. to say, like, he's past his prime, but, like... I think he could he could net them some pretty good prospects here to get them where they need to be. I don't necessarily think they're a contender next season. So I I think they can contend if I mean they have to spend. Yeah. Right. The the lineup pitching. pitching. Yeah. The lineup with Goldschmidt, Nupar, Arenado, Wilson Contreras, uh, you know, the upside of Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, like Tommy Edmond, like it's it's still going to be a good lineup. I really do believe in that. If Tyler O'Neill ever gets healthy and they decide to keep him in the lineup, like mm -hmm. there's talent in that lineup. You cannot go into next season with Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz as your your top two starters. So yeah. the organization just needs to decide: Are we paying up to bring in two starting pitchers? Because I really yeah, do think too. it probably needs to be two. And if yep. we don't want to spend the money to get two starting pitchers and make a run at it, then get rid of them. Because there's right. no point in keeping Goldschmidt and even like, you know, Arenado, who's uh, going to be 33. Like, yep. there's no point in running those guys out there with a duct taped rotation. It's just not, yeah. it's not worth it. Totally um, agree. I also think, like, I don't know what they have left to trade, but I, I, don't think the White Sox look like contenders next True. year. Um, you know, they let they let Tim Anderson go. Uh, they, they they already basically gave up their entire rotation at the trade deadline um, the, this previous year. So I don't know. I think their best return. I mean, besides Cease, it's like Cease, Kopech yeah. and Tuki Toussaint, like as their rotation. Yeah. So you know, you're getting into guys like that now, where it's like. You're probably not going to trade Luis Robert. Like he's 26 years old and he's your best player. But like Eloy Jimenez, 27, can't really stay healthy. Like Yohan Mancada is 28. Would somebody want to bet on him? You know, Ben Intendi, 29, who really wants him? But maybe you can get something for him. Um, I, I just, I don't see any way they contend. So I think you just got to sell off some of the pieces that other teams want. That's a good call. Yeah, I could see them doing that for sure, which is crazy because, you know, I'd say two years ago, three years ago, like the White Sox looked poised for, you know, a good solid, you know, three, four years of being uh, a playoff team mm -hmm. consistently. I don't know how they messed that up, but they they somehow did. Uh, I will, our next storyline here, the Dodgers. So. Yeah. I, I, hold on, I'm just gonna jump, I just want to jump in real quick. I, I would, I, I think Eloy Jimenez gets moved. I okay, just looked, I, at like his, I just looked at his contract. This upcoming year is the last year of his contract, like locked in. Then he's got two club options for okay. 2025 and 2026. So a team could trade for Eloy Jimenez to see if he can stay healthy and be an stay impact healthy. bat. And if it doesn't work, they're not locked into his $16.5 million contract, 18.5, which also is a good deal if he's a healthy yeah. hitter. And if he's not a healthy hitter, it was a one-year take-a-shot 
Um, right. And I don't, I can't see the White Sox. I just think it's it's worthwhile to move on from him if you're not contending and see what prospects you can get. Yeah, I I would like to see him like on the Marlins. Like, I know we just saw Jorge Soler, you know, go out go out into free agency, but um, to replace that that power in that lineup, I think he'd be a great fit on that team. And his power plays everywhere too, mm-hmm. so um, maybe just keep him in the DH spot though. Uh, okay, uh, my fourth storyline here: the Dodgers. How do they rebuild their pitching staff? Julio Urias's future in doubt, as we know. Clayton Kershaw future also in doubt for a different reason. Free agent undergoing shoulder surgery. Lance Lynn is a free agent as well. So you look at this Dodgers rotation right now. Bobby Miller, who we like a lot, a lot of potential. Walker Bueller coming back from Tommy John surgery. Then Ryan Pepio, Emmett Sheehan, uh, Gavin Stone. That's their projected mm-hmm. starting five. Uh, for 2024 that will not be the rotation they go into next season with but who who do they have in that rotation like I know we've already mentioned Otani but he's not going to pitch next year like Otani feels like the obvious fit for the Dodgers he's not going to pitch next year you kind of you mentioned a little bit earlier there's kind of this narrative out there oh maybe the Dodgers signed both Otani and Yamamoto which would be amazing but I don't know if they're going to do that to me, I feel like the Dodgers need Yamamoto more than they need Otani, which sounds crazy, but I feel like they really do. Yeah, I think I think if you bank on one of the young pitchers, one of the Pepio, Sheehan, Stone, even Kendall Williams, who I, I kind of like and has looked pretty good in AFL, like you bank on one of those guys being a worthwhile every day or you know, every fifth day starter, you still need two spots in your rotation. Um, I see the Dodgers like they tried to trade for Eduardo Rodriguez, um, at the deadline and he, he didn't, he rejected the trade because it had to do with uprooting his family in the middle of the season. Um, Mm -hmm. he's maybe potentially more open to it now that he's a free agent and it's, it, you know, he has more say in the move. You have time to get settled and exactly like all that stuff. Jordan Montgomery, like I see the Dodgers, uh, Marcus Stroman, yeah, right. Like I see the Dodgers playing in that range a little bit. If they, I mean, they're obviously going to be in on Otani and Yamamoto, but I, I also see them making that kind of intriguing. Let's bet on ourselves with a pitcher who maybe doesn't have that upside, but we can get. They don't. They just really need a middle of the rotation starter, like right. Bueller and Bobby Miller can carry that rotation i really believe like if the dodgers got you know michael waka and jordan montgomery to round out the rotation like that's not really a bad fit you know they're going to re-sign clayton kershaw too by the way right we just don't know what he's going to give them but he's not signing anywhere else he might retire but he's not going to sign anywhere else Um, right it's a shoulder capsule type of surgery and anytime i hear that i think about johan santana and like how that all played out so we may, you know, maybe we did see the last of Kershaw already. Who, who's to say for sure? Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I, I don't think that uh, he's going to pitch anywhere else. And I would expect the Dodgers to re-sign him and like kind of just see how for he sure. looks, you know, midsummer next year. But looking at, you know, outside of the free agents where there is Nola, like we said, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, you mentioned Sonny Gray, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman, Lucas Giolito, guys like that. Could the Dodgers trade for Corbin Burns? They could, yeah, for sure. He's definitely a name that I I would look out for. Also, like we talked about him on the last show, but um, Shota Imanaga, who's the other pitcher from Japan who's coming over, who's uh, a 30-year-old lefty who's a little bit more of a kitchen sink kind of junk baller who has a lot of different pitches that move and does not have overpowering stuff like I could see the Dodgers making a signing like that as well. If they were to miss out on Yamamoto is like, you know, maybe they do get um, like him and Stroman or him and Giolito. Like, you know, Giolito is an intriguing one too, because we've seen that upside with Giolito. Um, And so a good organization may think, yeah, we, we still see that version of him hidden in there. Right. So, uh, you know, I try to make a tight, 
bunch of storylines here. My number five is like the team that I'm really watching this offseason because I do feel like there's some teams on the rise who all they need is a couple of tweaks to their roster this offseason, and they could be legit World Series contenders. And that feels weird to say it with the Orioles, who were had mm. a great regular season this year, um, but were dispatched very early. No Felix Batista next year, had Tommy John surgery. So this is a team with the Orioles. I think they need another starter, mid-rotation mid or higher. I do like what they have with Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, a healthy John Means. That's a solid uh, one through three in that rotation, but I think they need uh, a good reliever and they need at least a mid-rotation starter. If they do that, I'm not saying, you know, sign Yamamoto. But if they sign a, a solid mid-rotation starter, you can really bank on not Kyle Gibson uh, and, and a, you know, experienced late-inning arm. They, they're right there. They have the position player core. They need to just invest in the pitching. And I think you know, they could go far in the postseason. It is a crapshoot, but I think they're much, they would be much better position to take that next step forward. Uh, Nola to the Orioles just makes so much sense Ooh, to me. I love that. Um, it really, it just to me, it checks so it checks so many boxes. Um, and I think he'd be he'd be a really great fit there. Um, you know, another guy who we haven't talked about, like Tyler Malley, is really interesting because <laughs> he's 29 years old. He seemed to be unlocking a level before getting hurt. Um, I could see a organization that trusts itself like the Orioles, you know, gambling on on somebody like that or a Giolito and saying, yeah. you know, we're not going to throw big bucks at, at one of these top guys. But, you know, we could we could, you know, maybe try to remake somebody else. Um, I love the idea of them signing like Robert Stevenson, who was yeah. lights out for the Rays at the end of the year and can absolutely close for Baltimore next mm -hmm. year um you know so something like that is is really interesting uh um, like may, maybe they bring in a roldis chapman um <laughs> you know chapman's 36 years old he might just want a one-year deal you know who really knows um but yeah the, the orioles are interesting to me i'm really curious to see what the diamondbacks do mm -hmm. um we know they got to the world series uh but we also know there are holes to fill on that team there's a lot of intriguing young talent i think you know the World Series was a clear uh, indication that they need more starting pitching depth because that bullpen game did not go well for them. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Diamondbacks in on a starter or two here to really kind of like push them over the top. And then I know we talked about them before, but like the Yankees and the Red Sox aren't going to sit idly by and watch the Rays and Orioles take over the division. Um, yeah. You know, they've, They've been at the top of the division for long enough. They have the resources. They're they're gonna make swings, um, mm -hmm. and so the question is, you know, what those swings are. Um, but I'm really watching for those two teams as well because I think, um, yeah, I just I think they have to be active. I think the Reds are a team to watch too. I don't expect them to spend like super aggressively, yeah. but. I, I could see them adding another uh, experienced starter to that mix. And I think, I think the Oriole, be, Orioles and the Reds will kind of be yeah. in that same bucket as far as starting pitchers where like maybe they take a shot on like a Frankie Montas, mm -hmm. like bouncing back or yeah. uh, Kenta Maeda or like Seth Lugo impressed this year with the Padres. And I could see him getting a, not a huge deal, but like a reasonable contract where you're not breaking the bank, but he can be a solid kind of mid-rotation pitcher. Yeah, and the Reds, I think we need to watch for the trade market as well. I mean, there's so many young hitters on that team that yeah. you cannot put them all in a lineup. Um, Orioles are you, the same way. Yeah, right, and if you do the Orioles, right? The Orioles have to make a move too. Uh, I have a a buddy who's a huge Orioles fan who who really wants them to go after Burns, and they have the pieces to do it. They have mm -hmm. more than enough hitters to send to Milwaukee um, to get Corbin Burns. Um, right. 
So they'd be an option there. The Reds, I'd honestly hate to see Corbin Burns go to the Reds because it's just like, I don't want him pitching in that stadium. That doesn't no. do anything for anybody. I, I doubt they'll trade him in division. Yeah, they're not going to trade him in division. Yeah. I could see the Orioles maybe trading like a Ryan Mountcastle to get like a reliever or something mm-hmm. like that. I think they'd be resistant to trade their their top young talent while they're sure and affordable. Not not top, but I think like, you know, if you look at like their outfield guys, like they had Colton Kowser and Kyle Stowers come up or mm-hmm. yeah, and and they were both like eh, yeah. not great. Heston Kerstad is up now. He's the cream of that crop in terms of the outfield mm-hmm. prospects. I think you could get rid of one of those other guys. And then like they're talking about bringing Jackson Holiday to yeah. Spring training, but they have Westberg and they have Gunnar Henderson and they have Connor Norby and yeah. like they have too many infielders too. So yes, you want depth. Um, Joey also Joey Ortiz, who was up and down for them a bunch of times, has like elite uh, hard hit rates at AAA and is a very good defender. Like he would mm-hmm. be, he would be a starting shortstop on most mid-level teams. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if he's starting it short for the Brewers with with Adamas, but what what I mean is like they have enough guys where you don't have to trade one of your best, you know, to to put together a good enough package. Yeah. So yeah, I think the Orioles will be fascinating to watch. I I hope they spend. I I feel like Orioles fans deserve it, you know, to get that investment into the roster and really show that they, you know, want to take over that division. You know, a team like the Yankees, it's so it's so hard. Like to, to, because it feels like they're kind of stuck. Like mm-hmm. there's so much dead weight on that rod. Date dead feels like maybe a little, little too strong. But like I just don't see a ton of wiggle room on that roster to to move the needle. And maybe that sounds a little crazy because coming into this season, I thought they were potentially a World Series contender. But I just don't like this roster. And I'm not sure if adding a free agent or two is really going to change that for me. Fully agree with you. I don't know that the moves you, that they make in the offseason are going to make you go, oh, the Yankees are a World Series contender. I just think they have to make moves. There's just too much yeah. pressure on them here to do something. Um, I did want to throw out just one more name because he was a late like post guy. Um, but Jung-Hoo Lee is a, a 25-year-old Korean Good outfielder call. who we didn't talk about when we did the the um, foreign players before, because he wasn't posted yet um, during the pandemic, I, w- I watched a decent amount of uh, KBO and um, do what you gotta he's, do. He's he was super impressive to me. Like he's not gonna be a a player where he gets signed and everybody goes, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Because mm-hmm. he's like a twenty one a twenty homer hitter in yeah. Korea. Um, he's probably a 10 to 15 home run, five to 10 stolen base player in the major leagues, but I legitimately think he could be a 300 hitter. He does not strike out um, and he plays really good defense in center field. So somebody's going to get a plus defender who's going to hit 290 or above, um, you know, and be a good runs contributor at the top of the lineup. And I I think he's just a really solid MLB player who we're not going to be talking about all offseason for fantasy purposes, but I think some team's going to be happy they signed it. Plus, he's young. He's 25. Yeah. He will not be 26 until next August. So, you know, where he stands out relative to the other uh, free agent position players available is that age. Compare him to a Matt Chapman, who's 31. Solaire, we said earlier, is 32. Uh, J.D. Martinez is 36. Even Bellinger is 28. So that that youth certainly plays in his favor for sure. Like you said, not a not a big power guy. Uh, had 23 home runs last season. He's hurt for a decent amount of, of this season, of this year, but yeah. should be fine for next year. Had never hit more than 15 home runs in a season before last year. But uh, you know, contact heavy type of hitter does seem like he is a bad ball hitter. One thing I noticed about Jung-Hoo Lee, like watching the video of the past couple of days, like it reminds me of like Vlad Guerrero or, or Javi Baez where they will still make contact, but there's like pitches that are like, you should not swing at those sure. pitches. So I'd be yeah. interested to see like how he makes that transition to, to major league baseball, knowing that he is a contact hitter, but he's a bit of a free swinger and a chaser. 
Yeah. I think that's okay if you're a, a singles guy because if you're slapping stuff that's not a strike over, you know, he's a lefty. If you're slapping stuff that's not a strike over the third baseman's head, it's not as big of a deal as if you're a home run hitter chasing bad pitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. V- Vlad Guerrero, not junior, but senior, had the ability to like drive pitches off his shoelaces yeah, out of the yeah. stadium. So it, it worked <laughs> out for him. Yeah, no, but it should be fascinating. Like I said, the age, I think, will make him really attractive. He's not officially posted yet because I believe the KBO still the playoffs still believe, going. Yeah. So once that's over, we'll see him be posted. I believe it's the same kind of process or it'd be like 45 mm-hmm. days. Um, but he, yes, he's a, he's a name uh, to watch for sure. Um, any, any predictions you want to give? Do you have one prediction you want to give to close the show? Um. Besides the fact that I, well, I guess we got to, I think Eway Jimenez is traded, and I, I think the Cardinals make a run. I think the Cardinals are going to sign two starting pitchers, and I think they're going to make a run rather than they're going to sell. Um, and I predict the Red Sox are going to sign both Yamamoto and Teoscar Hernandez, who will slide into DH to replace Justin Turner. Is my prediction like there. I okay. I'm going to make a prediction as well. I will say this might be controversial for people who are in the know with the Yankees, but I think the Yankees men fences re-sign Jordan Montgomery after letting him go after thinking that he could not pitch in a postseason rotation. I think that I think the Yankees uh, get Jordan Montgomery back, which would be which would be a really big addition uh for the yankees i also think after all of what max scherzer said after the mets traded him and the rangers the mets aren't aren't going to spend any money this offseason i think the mets will will spend money this offseason i I see i think the mets will sign at least two free agent starting pitchers uh this offseason so there you go um first yeah Probably not um, first, but yeah. not first, probably. <laughs> but uh, I think the Mets will be active, uh, at least as far as starting pitchers. I and here's another one. I don't know if this is a prediction. Is more than I, I. I hope that my words make it true. I would love to see the Mets reunite with Justin Turner. Mm-hmm. If you remember when the Mets had Justin Turner before, he was just like a utility player. Course, That'd be fun. Yeah, it would be fun, and it makes sense yeah. because the Mets need a DH. Uh, and I think he would make sense there. I think you could see J.D. Martinez potentially sign with the Mets to be DH as well. I'd rather have Justin Turner. I think it'd be like cool, like full circle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, having you know veteran uh, leadership in that in that clubhouse, I think could big be, be a big plus. And I think maybe he'd be into it too. I don't think there was necessarily bad blood when he left the Mets either. So we'll see what happens yeah. there. But I think Turner's a name to watch. Um, I think it'll be a fun. It'll be fun. There's a lot of there's the big names at the top, but there's just a lot of guys like even if you, you know, I encourage everybody to read Matthew's 111 top free agents article um, over on NBC Sports, because there's a lot of names on here where it's like you get down into the 60s and he still has like Frankie Montas, who was a pretty good starter when he was healthy. Um, So, like, I'm curious where a guy like Frankie Montas goes. Like, to me, that's interesting as a storyline maybe not as a baseball you know fantasy thing but like does joey Votto actually sign somewhere else are we going to see yeah. joey Votto in another uniform Blue like Jays, that, that, that stuff is that stuff is that would be great that stuff is interesting to me like not only because i think there's a lot of teams that can reshape themselves in a in contendership ways this offseason but there's just a lot of interesting storylines of of where certain kind of forgotten players may may end up or some feel good storylines of you know Joey Votto in Toronto to end his career would be so much fun. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um so we're probably going to take a bit of a break with the show. Um now if Shohei Otani signs tomorrow we'll we'll do a special emergency podcast. I'm not expecting that. Um so if if things go according to, to plan or at least we think they might uh, the next time we'll see you will be during the winter meetings in the early part of December. So stay tuned for that. We'll do kind of a wrap-up show that week where hopefully there will be a lot of activity, trade, signings. And I hope that for multiple reasons because we're starting work on our Rotor World Fantasy Baseball magazine. We're going to be working on that uh, pretty much now through the holidays. Um, 
our production dates for the magazine are in early January. So we want lots of activity before we finish the magazine because that gives us the best information to give to you guys. So we'll see you back here in a, a few weeks. Happy Thanksgiving and happy hot stove. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC sports. Be sure to add the Rotorworld basketball show to your rotation now that the NBA season is underway. Also, follow us on Twitter or X if you don't already. Eric is at SamskyNYC. I'm at DJ Short. For now, enjoy the early days of the MLB Hot Stove, and we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.